Hey everyone, welcome to episode 101, Amago Therapy. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Well, look at that. We have a palindrome 101, forwards and backwards. It's the same number. Grady cannot wait to turn 11 because he's going to be a palindrome age. He's very excited about that for some reason. So we are on episode 101, which can you believe last week David was on? Like, I now believe in unicorns because I truly did not think it was possible to get him on and talk and open up and answer all the questions that you have. So I hope it was helpful. And thank you for all the positive feedback because I'm just sharing it with him. And he's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, maybe I should get a podcast. I need an agent. He's joking around, obviously. So maybe he will be back for episode 200. So if you have any other questions or anything we didn't cover, let me know and I can cover it on the podcast or in the parenting boot camp, or I can send you smoke signals, whatever works for you best. So I want to talk about a book that I read that was one of those books. So I was like, what did I just read? This is amazing. And sometimes I get nervous about doing book reviews because there's no way I can condense an entire book into a 20 minute podcast, but I'm going to try. This one really helped me since last week David was on and I get a lot of questions about marriages. I found a quote that everybody seemed to resonate with when I posted it and you know how I love quotes. And I want to go a little bit further where I found this quote and how it pertains to this book that helped me so much in our marriage and just helping other clients with their marriages. And the quote is, you don't have relationship problems. You have childhood problems that are disguising themselves as relationship problems. I was like, what? So Imago Therapy and the Imago Relationship comes from the work of Harville Hendricks and his wife. And they wrote a book called Getting the Love That You Want. And it is fascinating. And the concept is that each person, all of you, all of us, is born whole and complete. Individuals who are wounded by their main characters during socialization and nurturing stages through the infliction of these wounds is not necessarily intentional. This kind of goes back to the podcast episode called Your Parents Lied To that resonated with so many of you of how we give godlike and factual properties to our parents and we think everything they said and felt and believed about us was true and factual. In actuality, it was more a reflection of how they felt about themselves. Everyone has a composite image of negative and positive traits of their primary caretakers deep within their unconscious mind. The term imago refers to an individual's vision of familiar love. So you know, like when you say, I feel like I've known you all my life, it's actually true because their love represents the love of your caretakers. Like this is very Freudian and very deep and profound. I was like, whoa, it's so wild. According to this philosophy, the imago forms a blueprint of the person one needs as a committed life partner. The goal of this type of therapy is to teach partners how to develop deeper connections with each other and dive deep into the unconscious mind. Okay, so what did I just read? I always talk about the unconscious and the conscious mind. I learned that through the conscious parent, life-changing. Didn't even know how this goes into all the things. So when we're growing up, it's like our mind is like this camera. You've ever seen that time-last camera where it just goes really fast, boom, 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 boom. Our mind when we're little and developing and impressionable, it's taking pictures, a thousand pictures a second. It's always taking these impressions and the impressions makes the template of what love feels like. 
So it could be what makes our parents smile, our caretakers, what makes them happy, what makes them disappointed, what makes them upset, the way their shoulders drop when they're disappointed, their tone, how do they respond to our cries, their sound of their voice, what do they do when they're angry, how do they move their bodies, a look. You know how you can talk with your eyes? What looks did we get when we were receiving that Wi-Fi and when we were not receiving that Wi-Fi? Harville Hendricks talks about how the unconscious mind is kind of like the stars at night. And I love this analogy. I love the analogy of the computer. Behind the scenes of the computer is the unconscious mind. And then what we're doing with the computer is the conscious part of the mind. And so that really resonates with a lot of you. And so there's another one that he uses using the stars. Like right now, it's the middle of the day. And so we don't think that the stars are out. But the stars are actually out. Once the sun goes down, that contrast between dark and the stars is how we see the stars. But the stars are out right now. We just can't see them because the sun is washing out the stars. And so the stars being out is the unconscious mind. It's everything that's going on in the background. It's like when we're building a house. It's the plumbing. It's the electrical. It's the drywall. It's everything going on behind the scenes. But we don't even know that it's going on behind the scenes because we're just at the beach enjoying the sun. But we don't think about the stars, but the stars are really there. So there's always this thin veil over unconscious mind. And so our brain is always taking recordings as we're younger, but we don't even know that this is happening. And the highest recordings are the things that are more traumatic, where you remember like where you were when you found out the Challenger exploded, but you don't remember your seventh grade teacher, as an example. But those highly traumatic or those highly wounding episodes are what get imprinted in our mind even more. And so the brain is taking note and saying, okay, this is danger, this is dangerous, run when this happens again. And so what happens is we're younger, we have parents that might have been overbearing, overprotective, we had to be the perfect child, or we might have had parents that were neglectful, not there for us. And so what happens is the child that has the tyrant that's all over them and very smothering, then they become more of an isolator as an adult where they crave their alone time because they never had any space to kind of coexist with themselves. And then the parents that weren't there as much and maybe neglectful or were checked out or maybe had a drinking problem or a mental health issue, then those children grow up to become more of a fuser and they're always clinging onto other people. And so as it happens, as we grow up, the isolator is drawn to the fuser and the fuser is drawn to the isolator because unconsciously we think this person will heal my old wounds in current time and give me the love that I didn't give or give me more of the love that I did give that felt great. So as an adult, he says, we return to the scene of the upbringing. What? Because your brain is always capturing the positive and the negative traits. So we're naturally drawn to someone that is similar to that person with the positive negative traits. Now, sometimes it's the opposite gender parent that we had the most friction or trauma or problems with that we go and recreate. Sometimes it's the same gender parent, then that's who we go and recreate in our adult relationships. Because our brain says, these are the people that are responsible for our survival as a child, so let's go find them again and have a relationship with them because they will heal that old wound in current time. And then the brain says, this person will love me in the way that I needed or the way that I had when I was little. So the example, that's a classic example of someone who was raised by someone who had a drinking problem. When they are growing up, they are drawn to someone with a drinking problem, not because it feels good to be around someone with a drinking problem or an alcoholic. It's because it feels familiar. And then the brain says, well, I couldn't get dad to put that alcohol down, but I'm going to get my spouse to put that alcohol down. And then what happens is we end up re-injuring ourselves over and over and over because that person is trying to do the same thing with their wounding. So we go into marriage with all these wounds and all this baggage, so to speak, and looking to the other to heal that wound in current time. Then when they don't do that, we're frustrated and angry. 
And going back to the stars analogy, he says, when we meet that person, we say things like, I feel like I've known you all my life. I can't remember not knowing you, even though I've only known this person for a week. When I'm with you, I feel whole. I love you so much. I can't live without you and I can't live without us because unconsciously it's filling that void. It's filling that gap. And so that's why the honeymoon stage is so powerful because it's relieving some of that discomfort and some of that trauma and some of that pain as a child. And then it's healing it in the honeymoon stage. So then the brain says, finally, we found someone to satisfy our unmet needs. Finally, we found someone to complement our lost self and the lost part of who we are. Finally, I have someone that will nurture me consistently and they'll be eternally available to do this at all times. Then what happens? We get home from the honeymoon. We open up our package and we're like, wait a minute, you have flaws. What's going on? You were supposed to love me eternally. You're supposed to always be there for me. You're supposed to always heal that old wounds. But then they're coming with their old wounds with the same expectations. Isn't this wild? And then ironically, once the honeymoon stage is over, what they want most from the spouse is what their spouse is least likely to give because we have a fuser and an isolator. So the fuser is saying, I need more of you. I need you to be around. Where are you? What's going on? And then the isolator is saying, leave me alone. I need some space. So they're constantly in this push-pull relationship trying to fulfill their unmet needs through each other. And I love this quote by Dr. Jen. She says, chronic complaints in our relationships paints a accurate picture of what they didn't get as a child. What? Isn't this good to know? Because then we can say, oh, this is why I was drawn to this person. Now, a silly example of how I was drawn to David was, everyone knows my dad, all three of my sisters, okay? We all three married a Virgo. Now, I don't know anything about horoscopes, but I know that Virgos are very much known for their analytical mind, their organized mind, their detailed mind, all the things. They're a little on the thorough side. Let's just put it that way. To paint a picture of my dad, you've heard him on the podcast. He's nice. He's funny. He's friendly. All the things. And he's very particular. One time I tried to paint a room with him and I had the ladder out. I had the paintbrushes out. I had the smocks. I had all the things ready to go. And he comes over. He's like, where's the light? This is enough light. We need more light. I'm like, what are you talking about? Very particular. Everything has to be just so. And he knows that. We joke around with him all the time about that. A funny story about my dad, and he knows I'm sharing this, was when he was working at Motorola, he had his secretary staple some papers together and she stapled it horizontal in the corner. And so he went up to Jan Arjati and said, you know, I really appreciate you doing all this work for me and for the company and everything. Is there any way that when you're stapling the paper, you could staple it at a diagonal? So when I turn the paper over, I can not miss anything in the corner. They were a family friend. And so, of course, that story has been passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on. And so fast forward, I'm in my 20s and 30s. Who am I drawn towards? Someone who's a Virgo, who's very detail-oriented, very by the book, very organized, But the problem was, it was something that drew me towards him, but then it was also something that drove me bonkers. Because he'd say something like, you know, when you're loading the dishwasher, is there any way you could put the bowls like this? And the little girl in me was activated. It was like, wait, what? You're disappointed? Oh my goodness. And I would get so defensive. David couldn't say anything to me without me just losing my mind. I was so defensive. He couldn't say anything. Because instead of seeing this as a separate relationship, it was almost like I was the five-year-old and... I was being reprimanded or my parents were saying that they were disappointed in me. So I never wanted to do that, even though the reasons why they said they were quote unquote disappointed were for things that I was doing that were not that great. Like maybe I was 
stealing something from the convenience store or I was giving attitude or I was late from curfew. And so they would just say, you know, that's not going to work for here. We're just disappointed that you made that choice. And so we always grew up calling it the D word. And so David's saying to me, can you change the way you're putting the dishes in the dishwasher? That sounds very minor and very little. And if my sisters were to say it or my kids were to say it, then I would, of course, say, oh yeah, sure, no big deal. But when our spouse says it, sometimes it just hits a little bit differently because that little girl is triggered inside of us that imago therapy is so powerful that we can be like, oh, that was a relationship I had when I was a little girl. And now this relationship and I'm having a big girl. And a lot of times also, if we don't do it in our marriage, sometimes we do it through our kids. Sometimes we create that dynamic through our kids to try to heal old wounds in current time too, but it's all done unconsciously. For the first five years, I was unconsciously trying to play out my relationship with my mom, with Lily, because I had it in my mind a certain way that my mom and I were, and we went shopping and we liked each other and we were always friendly. And this is what I remembered because your brain will remember all the good stuff. And then when that didn't go according to plan, I lost my ever loving mind because sometimes we're trying to be just like our parents or sometimes we're being the opposite of our parents or we see something within ourselves that we didn't like growing up. And so instead of getting introspective and figuring out why we were acting the way we were acting and why that brought up such big emotions and why that triggered us so much, we blame the spouse, we blame the kids, we blame the dog. But when we have that introspection and thinking about our thinking and thinking about the stars that were out and what were the messages that we had as a little girl or as a little boy and then carrying that into our adult relationships is where we can get super empowered and then realize we don't have to be so defensive and shut down and take it for face value. And it's okay that David asked me to change the dishwasher a different way. And yesterday at church, they talked about three ways you can know where your area of growth is. And the pastor said, where are you most offensive? What don't you want others to know? What do you criticize in others? Because that will be the blueprint for all of the unconscious mind. When we think about our thinking and we do these introspective thoughts, then we can think about our thinking, thinking about the messages that we got growing up that we took as face value. The computer program was doing what the computer program was doing. The stars were out. So we can kind of look at those stars in the light and think, oh, that's why I got so upset. Oh, that was a neutral thing that was said, but this is all the meaning that I put to it. And so when I'm talking with clients about their marriage, I always say, did you marry a good human? If you chose wisely and you treat kindly, then everything else becomes super easy. And then they're just your constant teachers, your spouse and your kids or whoever lives within your four walls and your most vulnerable relationships, you're gonna learn the most from and you're gonna be able to kind of look at the stars even though it's daylight because the stars are always there. The programming behind the scenes is always there. We're never gonna get a hold of all 60,000 thoughts, but we can kind of step into emotional adulthood and think, huh, that's so wild that that brought up so much for me because it really had nothing to do with the dishwasher. It had nothing to do with X, Y, Z. It had more to do with the story that I was bringing to the table and the baggage that I was bringing, not baggage from a place of something went wrong, but from a place of, oh, I was just trying to recreate a memory that I had, or I was trying to make sure that that memory was not recreated. Because if we're always just looking at the other person and the other person, and the other person, we could divorce the other person or our kids are grown and flown or we have multiple kids. And then the same message keeps coming up. If you don't look at why you were drawn to the person you were drawn towards, then you're just gonna have a divorce again or a breakup again. And the face will just be different and the name will be different. But the unconscious thinking and the stars will always be there unless we bring it to the light. And then when we bring it to light, we could say, huh, that's so fascinating. And then with time, that huh, it doesn't have so much pull and so much hold over you, so to speak. 
it's not so much resistance. It's leaning into, huh, I wonder why that brought so much emotion out for me. Huh, I wonder what that was all about. So we get super curious and not furious at our spouse, at our kids, and we don't get super furious at ourselves. We're like, oh, I see why that brought up so much in me. And then next time it comes up, it doesn't have such a pull. It doesn't have such a bang, so to speak. It doesn't bring up such reaction from you. So I highly recommend the book, Getting the Love You Want. I'm not even doing it a fraction of how amazing it is. And it just teaches you why you're drawn to the relationships that you're drawn towards and why it brings up such emotions when something very neutral, like, can you do this different than the dishwasher, brings up such emotions but it has nothing to do with the spouse. It has nothing to do with having good parents or bad parents. It just has to do with the fact that this is messaging we received when we were younger, and then we put meaning to it, and then we act out and have almost like an adult tantrum. Instead of having tantrums like our kids do, we have an adult tantrum or an adult shutdown, an adult timeout, because we're just trying to heal that old wound in current time, but we end up re-injuring ourselves over and over and over. And that's why it feels like Groundhog Day. So when you get this enlightenment and you get this inspiration, you get this wherewithal, you're like, oh, I get it. And then you can come at your relationships with a non-reactive energy. And guess what they do? They come in your relationships with you with that non-reactive energy too. And that imago, that mirror, so to speak, creates connection versus creating disconnection. So I hope this helped. Email your biggest takeaways. Post about it on social media and let me know so I can help you. And I'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting boot camp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.